So tonight, I want just to have a look and understand what the true character of true prayer is. You see, there's so much going on in our world today that many people that call prayer prayer, but it's not really. It's really, it's really a sham and an affront to the holy God of heaven. The prophet Habakkuk was undoubtedly moved to the very depths of his being as he wrote these words in verse 2. This true prayer is more than petition to God because it includes praise, it includes thanksgiving, and it includes adoration, and much, much more. Verse 2 is a model which we, as the people of God, should base our lives on. We know that even as God's family, we are not immune to the trials and difficulties of this world. We are not above distress. We are not above affliction. We are not above trouble of all kinds. We encounter strife, but what we do have is the ear and the heart of our God. Today we live in a world where conflict is all around us. World situations, whether it's in the States, whether it's Trump or whether it's Clinton, whether it's Putin in Russia, whether it's Assad of Syria. We live in a difficult and a troubled world which may well prompt the spiritually minded amongst us to turn our thoughts to this little book in Habakkuk. But some may say, why doesn't God intervene? Why does he allow these things to happen in a world? Why does the ungodly seem to flourish? Why do the ungodly seem to prosper and be successful? Why doesn't God come and intervene and revive the church of Christ? The devil, you see, he's an angel of light. He seeks to take advantage of every perplexity, making us look at the wrong things in life, and so warping our attitude to God and to prayer. But the attitude that should characterize us as the people of God is in verse 2. So what are the essential elements of prayer? Their humiliation their adoration, and their petition. And note Habakkuk's humbling in verse 2. Can we see any argument with God here? Does Habakkuk say, why God? Why? Why do you allow these things to happen? No, he doesn't even protest at what God has told him. So how did Habakkuk arrive at such a position? Because he was at one point thinking, about his own nation Israel, or of the Chaldeans. But when his mind was away from that kind of thinking, and he began to think of the holiness of God and the justice of God against this world of sin and darkness and unrighteousness, he was able to see these things in an entirely different light. And when we see these things from a biblical viewpoint, from a spiritual viewpoint, we can acknowledge, yes, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
The whole world lieth in the evil one. And there's only two things really in this life that really matter. And one is the holiness of God and the other is the sin of the heart of man. We live in a world, as I said, that's uncertain of itself. A world that turns from this way to that way. Let's try this, let's try that. It changes its mind. Where is the next violent extremist going to come from? What is the next catastrophic thing that will hit this world? Is there going to be a third world war? Now, if our attitude as the people of God is, why does God allow allow this? Then we've really missed the point. We've not learned that lesson. And I believe that as true Christians, and today... I believe that many of the churches have failed to recognize that these last century, the last two world wars, is a consequence of the godlessness of man that's been rampant throughout this last hundred years and is rampant today around us. Should the prayer of the Christian church not be like Habakkuk? O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear in the mists of the years. Revive it, Lord. In wrath, remember mercy. Has the church today realized that in her present condition, and that much of her suffering may be the chastisement of God for the apostasy in which... The church herself has frequently fallen into. The city of Glasgow's motto was it not? Let Glasgow flourish by the preaching of his word and the praising of his name. No longer let Glasgow flourish. Take God out of things, take Christ out of Christmas. Our city of Glasgow and Scotland and the United Kingdom, I believe, has lost its zeal, has lost its fervor for the true worship of the living God. Churches denying the supernatural and miraculous God who rules in the high heaven. He rules the world. He rules this universe. He gives every one of us tonight our next breath in God's hand is each of our lives every breath that we take I believe that many churches have lost that zeal and fervor for the true worship of the living God too interested you see in jumble sales than they are for the souls of men That girl this morning, that girl was broken, yet she had everything. Her life was changed. She had a purpose to life. And I'm sure she has many times of prayer, along with Brian and the team, that others, too, her brothers, would come and taste and see that our God is good. No real humbling 
of oneself before an awesome God, sadly today, is the church in a general statement. Therefore, in a pos- there's no position that they're in if they find themselves having a bad day. Has the church today humbled herself in sackcloth and ashes? Has she acknowledged and confessed her sin? Has our nation, Scotland, which has been so blessed of God throughout the last century, has a right to complain if it has turned its back on God? You know, I'm really glad and excited in a sense that here in Hamilton we're going through a period where we're looking for a vision to where we will go from here. The Bible says in Proverbs, does it not? 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people will perish. And it's our responsibility as the people of God who live and worship in Hamilton is to take that word and to share it with a lost world out there. There's people out there in the streets. There's people out there in the homes. And they're perishing in their sin. Are we praying that God in his grace and in his mercy would come down from heaven in a way that we've never seen before and revive our hearts and revive our souls and that many lives would be transformed. You know, see, if God would really move in a mighty way, we would be different people. I would be a different person. The Spirit of God would come in a mighty way. When you read back in the the centuries when God in his mercy came in abundant grace and favor and changed the lives of many that they bowed down and their sin was before them and they acknowledged that God sent his son Jesus Christ into this world for our sin. We don't live forever here when we look around us and we see on our televisions and our newspapers of all the many people in this world that people worship, all the celebrities of the world, but one day they'll stand at that same bar that you and I will stand at. And God will say, why should I allow you into my heaven? Pray that God would be gracious. Pray that God would be merciful. Where there is no vision, the people will perish. Has the world then a right to complain with all the judgments of God upon mankind? Has there been a humbling? Has there been a spirit of repentance? I don't think so. As I said before, Christians, there's only two concerns really. The holiness of God and the sin of man. Does the fact that there are other Christians worse than I mean that I am all right? I've got remaining sin. We all have. The sins of our heart will come upon us and we confess it to God. We are self. We are humbling in the presence of God because it's not just desperately needed, but it's a definite requirement for the Christian. So the first important element of prayer is to humble ourselves before God. The second one in prayer is that of adoration. The prophet Habakkuk says in verse 2, O Lord, 
Twice he says it. O Lord, I have heard your report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. Habakkuk wasn't frightened in that sense of the word. He wasn't frightened at the things that were going to happen to him. There was a fear. There was no fear of the suffering that was coming, but this expression suggests an awesomeness in the presence of Almighty God. When we come to the morning service or the evening service, do we expect God to be here? Do we expect the Spirit of God to dwell amongst us? Do we recognize, we quote the verse often, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. God is here tonight by his Holy Spirit. Are we struck by his awesomeness? Are we taken up by his presence? Are our spirits lifted tonight to a higher plane? Habakkuk says in verse 2, O Lord, I have heard your speech and I was afraid. What is described here is like what is described in the epistle to the Hebrews as an attitude of reverence and godly fear. And a fear that has almost disappeared today in many churches, sadly lacking. But let us remind us tonight ourselves in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Thank God we can come tonight into his holy presence with holy boldness through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that should never lessen our reverence and godly fear. When you look back in the history and read about God's ancient people, God's chosen ones, of the Old Testament, whether it's Moses or Noah or David, they were sinners, yes. They were Christians, but they were conscious of the holiness of God. They were conscious of the awesomeness of God. Even the mention of, their, of his name made them tremble. And the holiness and the mightiness of God made Habakkuk almost speechless for he says in verse 2, I was afraid. And as people of God, as we live in a modern, ultra-modern society, we need to approach God with a reverence and a godly fear for our God. We sang it earlier, is a consuming fire. We need to see him tonight Far above the happenings of this world, we need to see him in his holy temple. We need to see him as the holy God of this universe. And one thing that stands out is his holy nature. His holy nature and my sin. Therefore, humble ourselves with reverence. Worship him and adore him. The final point of our uh, true prayer is the element of petition. Paul says in his uh, writings, in nothing he says, be anxious. 
Remember, this was written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. You know, difficulties come before us in our lives. You might have a family member who's unwell. You might have somebody who is seriously ill. And if they're not a Christian, they don't belong to the Lord, we become anxious. But Paul's saying here, he says, be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. I've got family that's unsaved. Sometimes we almost become used to the fact that they're not Christians. Continue to pray for them, brother and sister. Continue to pray that God would be merciful. And that he would open up their minds and their hearts. With everything, let your requests be known unto God. How do we make that known? We go on our knees. We come to God in prayer. You know, when we don't pray, the devil laughs. I encourage you, friend, if you have somebody you really want to see converted, continue to pray for them. There was one couple that we knew. Her husband was an alcoholic. Didn't want anything to do with Christianity. Nah, keep your God. And unfortunately, he didn't have long to live. And the Friday evening, he trusted in Christ. He said, I've been a bad man. I know I've said things that have been wrong, but I pray that God would forgive me. And we prayed for that man for years and for years and for years and for years. Might have been a deathbed experience. We're not all guaranteed that. But friends, continue to pray for those whom you love in the flesh, that God might be merciful to them. He might open up their eyes of their understanding and what we might think is they'll never get saved. God is the God of miracles. He can open up the most darkened heart that they might see clearly the way of salvation and that they would be saved. True prayer always includes these three elements. Humiliation, adoration, petition. For God's cause, for God's work, for God's purpose. And Habakkuk had come to the position and was saying, whatever I and my countrymen may have to suffer is no concern so long as I work is revived and kept pure. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years, he says. This surely means while these terrible things are prophesied and are actually happening amongst us, in the midst of the years of suffering and calamity, O Lord, revive thy work. We're living in difficult days. 
evil days, godlessness days, days where they would love to shut every church in the land. But let's pray that God would revive his work and that lives would be transformed, changed into lives that worship and praise God and pray. Revive not only means to preserve, but to purify, to correct, to get rid of. I'm sure we've all got things in our lives that we need to get rid of, whether it's pride, whether it's envy, whether it's greed, whether it's materialism, or sins of the eyes, or sins of the tongue, or whatever we need to deal with as individual Christians before a holy God. Times when God, in times gone by, when he came in revival blessing. Kulsaith, if you drive through Kulsaith, there's probably about five churches in that wee tiny village. And that was a revival in the 1700s when God came down in mercy. And hundreds of lives were changed. Continue to pray that God would be merciful. Merciful to the people of Hamilton. And that we would need to, I don't know, build another tier in here so that we could seat them all. And that we could worship the God who gave us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Gave us life. Gave us eternal life. Put us on that road to glory. And Habakkuk says, in wrath, remember mercy. That's his final saying here as we close. In wrath, remember mercy. What he means by that is God's perfect righteousness. His perfect justice. As if God needed reminded of his own nature. Oh, that God might come and bless his word. Oh, that God might come and revive our hearts. That we might be challenged to continue to share Christ. It's a hard thing sometimes when you're in a situation and you have the perfect situation to share and for some reason you don't. Oh, that God would give us the holy boldness to be able to point people to Christ. He's done it for me. He's done it for you. May he do it for the people of Hamilton. As we look, as we look in that vision of what is ahead before us. May we be concerned for his glory and the health and the purity of the church of the living God. Amen. We're going to sing a final song.